Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith. Our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make Him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. Dr. Smith is inside of the Power of a Gentle Spirit series. In today's word, he says to be careful what you do and say. Follow along in your Bible or your Bible app in Colossians 4, verses 5 through 6. And let's listen as Dr. Smith explains. So as we deal with this text this morning, I I want to draw your attention to the fact that the heart of what it means for us to be human beings is relationship. Relationship with others. And an essential part of that relationship is conversation. I can't tell you how often I hear a wife say or a husband say, my wife my husband just doesn't talk. We communicate who we are, what we are thinking, and how we're feeling, both by how we act and by how we talk. But the fact is that we do more talking, it seems, than we do acting. And I want to apologize to our marriage ministry because I I made a misstep on my uh, on, a, on a quote that I told them. I said that in the, in the conversation business, women talk more than men. And I said that women on average speak 40,000 words and men speak about 7,000. Well, the 7,000 was correct. I went and checked and and. And women only speak half as much as, as what I said. It just, it seemed like 40,000, but it's only um, 20,000. So I stand corrected. Boom, shakalakalaka. While it's true that words are an essential part of communications, words are not the sum of our communication. In fact, it has been said that your lifestyle, the way you behave, screams so loudly that it drowns out every word you say. And I want to speak specifically to parents. You can't tell your children to do what you are unwilling to do. You cannot give an instruction that you are not willing to keep yourself. In other words, the way, if the way that you live conflicts with what you say, people are going to ignore what you say and only pay attention to what you do. Do you remember when we were kids? We used to deal with insults that people gave us by saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That wasn't true. Words hurt. They hurt. 
Maybe somewhere down in our childhood psyche, we believed that slogan. But the truth is, somehow we knew that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words can break our souls. If you tell a child over and over again that that child is no good, or that child is ugly, or that child is stupid, in the core of their being, they will come to believe what you have said about them. You need to be careful what you say. Words matter. A broken bone can heal in time, but spoken words open deep and painful wounds that can fester for a lifetime. You need to be careful shooting off your mouth. I mean, it's, it's been said you ought to put your brain in gear before you start your mouth in motion. Can I get a witness? Because our message today is primarily about words, but it's words as it relates to actions. Why are we considering these two together? Because your words are powerful, but your actions will always speak louder than your words. Brothers, you can't say to your wife, I love you. And never give a nan nickel. <laughs> but you cannot give her $20 when you got 200 in your pocket. Boom, shakalakalaka. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, Paul deals with two subjects, and it would be worthwhile in your personal reading to go back and read verses 2 through 4. We're only dealing with 5 and 6. But in Paul's um, dealing with verses um, 2 through 4, he talks about how to have a conversation with God, how people should speak to God. Listen to what he says. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. You know this devotional thing? You know, it's not five minutes and gone. It's a commitment. If you want something from God, devote yourselves to prayer. God only knows that you care about it to the extent that you commit to pray about it. Let me see the parents. Raise your hand if you're parents of teenagers. Raise your hand if you're parents of teenagers. I see your hands. I see you. If you are not praying right now for that young man or that young woman who comes into the life of your child, if you're not praying specifically, God, let him be a Christian. Lord, let him have a job. Lord, let him have an education. Whatever it is, you ought to be pounding the doors of heaven. then God will know you care about it. He goes on. He says, he says, with an attitude of thanksgiving. So what, do you, what does that mean? That means that you can't reach up here until you say much obliged for what you got already down here. I, I want a new house. 
and a new car. But the car you have is running fine. And the house you have ain't leaking. God says, have an attitude of grace. Because if you're thankful enough, you may decide you don't need anything. And especially, let me speak to single ladies, all single ladies, all single ladies, okay? You need to thank God that you're a single lady because you, you need to be prepared for being unsingle. And you, all you have to do is ask married people, okay? And they'll tell you, okay, come over here at your own risk. I, I, I know I got a witness in here somewhere. He, he goes on. He says, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word. Paul is in prison. And Paul is not saying, pray, put money on my commissary account. He, he's not saying, send me some warm winter clothes. He's saying, pray that God will give us an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with somebody while we're in here locked up. People need to know how to talk to God. You want to know how to get what you want from God? Just ask for what he wants. God can't deny himself. If God wants people to be saved, pray for your brother-in-law to be saved. Pray for your cousin to be saved. Uh, We're going to run on. Okay, so the the message is succinct and to the point. I have three points. I may even have an observation or two, but three points. I call them key points because I don't want you to miss them. The first key point is this. Be careful what you say because words matter. But actions matter more. Let me repeat that. Be careful what you say because words matter. But actions matter more. Okay, listen to Colossians 4, 5a. It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. This is my first observation. Words are useless if they are not consistent with how you live. Words are useless if they are not consistent with how you live. Don't tell people to save money and you spend every dime you get. Don't tell people to stop all that needless shopping and, you, and everything in your closet got tags on it. Don't tell people not to eat and you get two extra plates. I'm talking to somebody in here. Whether you know it or not, how you live speaks so loudly that it literally drowns out what you say. That's why I have to be so careful at home. It seems as if everybody remembers what I I try to forget, but everybody remembers what I say. Yeah, you say say it, sir. You need to be careful what you say 
especially if you're going to stand up on the stage and say it because everybody's got a camera and everybody's got recorders. I don't think I've ever been recorded so much in my whole life. People sit down with you. Listen to Matthew 5, 16. He says, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How you live is not just a matter of your character or your reputation. How you live affects the glory of God. I think that's what's wrong with our country, is that people want to live just however they want to live. You know, I, you know I, I, I sit down, I used to get around a lot more than I do now, but I used to go and have lunch with Christians, brothers and sisters, and they would order a little, you know, libation. That's what I, I'll call it, libation. Okay, and, and they say, well, you know, would, would this offend you if, if I have a little libation? I said, it ain't on my record. <laughs> well, why, why would I be bothered by you having a libation? I'm not going to have one. And you're going to have to have yours sitting up here looking at me not have one. Okay, the, the other thing is that I used to play golf a lot. Don't play much anymore right now. And it was amazing to me that they always wanted to let everybody know you're playing with a preacher. It's amazing how salty the language can be on the golf course. And as soon as one of those slips occurs, then the first thing is, excuse me, real, or excuse my French. I'm I said, I took four years of French. That did not sound like no French to me. You need to watch how you live and how you talk because the glory of God is at stake. The noise of your life is drowning out your words. You need to stop saying something that you are not. Don't claim to be a Christian. Don't put a big fish on the back of your car if you're going to be putting your, putting your fingers out of the car with one of them raised up higher than the other. Is anybody in here listening to me? Don't put, the, don't put all these crosses on the back of your car and you cutting in and out of traffic and cutting people off. I'm talking to somebody. It gives Jesus Christ a bad name. Be careful how you live because your life is talking. We worry about the words we say. Our lives are saying so much more. Right here in this building, we have two groups of people, and I don't know who you are. One group is insiders, and the other group is outsiders. And you insiders are talking, and the outsiders are listening. You don't, you don't know Who's in the stall while you washing your hands? Because when they come out of the stall, they, they, want, they quickly come out of the stall to see who said that. Gossip. 
And we need to be careful that we only talk to our friends or the people that we know. One of the things that my wife used to say to me often is that she used to watch for people who were standing against the wall and she would go to them and talk to them. We have greeters, but no church of Jesus Christ ought to need greeters. I'm just going going to just break it right down for you. We have greeters because us insiders don't greet. Okay, somebody going to pray with me here? Yeah, you, you can holler at me. You can say, well, Pastor, you know, you, I, we run to our seat. We'll make sure nobody gets our seat. And then we run to our car and we say it's COVID. Okay, but you're at the ball game and you're at the restaurant and you just can on. But you got to get out of church. Y'all say he. Yes, Pastor, you're going to have to move on now because that's, that's. I know the fellowship is wonderful in our little groups. I enjoy it. But we are called to minister to outsiders. And us insiders ought to know if an outsider comes in here. And that all of us ought to be trying to get to that outsider. No, not, not run over them, but at least demonstrate to them. That's why churches are growing these days simply by swapping saints. Because outsiders don't want to be a part of the clique. You have to understand every day, Every Sunday we stand up here and say we want to be the church as Christ intended it to be. But the folk that, that were in the first church, they were so all over each other. They ate together. They prayed together. They did church in their houses. It's hard to get in folks' houses these days. <laughs> I, I, I have a... I have a vision for home groups. I just don't know what homes we can get in. <laughs> you see, people are concerned about, you know, the house being nasty. Now, if you ain't got a nasty house, I'm not talking to you, so I'm don't do all that. If you can live in it, we can handle it. You living? <laughs> if you don't wash your dishes every night, that's all right. <laughs> you have to have the housekeeper come, you know, before. It's my second point. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I know my time is running out up here. Second point, be careful what you say because you may only get one chance to say it. Colossians 4, 5 says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. One of my most profound regrets, personally, is that my friend, Byron Brown, 
came to Amity the Sunday before he died. Some of you were able to interact with him. I was busy. I was up taking pictures for the elder candidates and the deacon candidates, and, and that was good work. It needed to be done, but I missed my friend Byron. I did not get a chance to speak to him before he went on to be with the Lord. I missed an opportunity. Byron knew the Lord. So, but what if he had not? What if he were not saved and I had missed that opportunity? We are so busy being busy that we miss opportunities to talk to people about God. Some of us are nervous and shy. You know, you're not nervous when you're talking to the, to the lady behind the counter at uh, Macy's. You all up on, oh, no, we're not going for that. You're going to give me my discount. It's amazing how assertive we can be in certain situations, but when it's time to talk to someone about Jesus Christ, our tongues get tied and the opportunities pass. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone who didn't know the Lord about Jesus Christ? When was the last time that you led someone I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. I'm trying to wake you up to the fact that you need to be careful what you say and what you do because your life is saying, I don't care. One One of the things that my wife is encouraging me to do is to spend more time with the grandchildren. You know, she says, if you really love the grandchildren, then that spells T-I-M-E, okay? You need someone like that to hold you accountable because she's right. You parents, you can't claim to love your kids and not spend time with them. We have so many things that occupy us. Don't miss the opportunity. Now, I'm almost finished. Key point number three, be careful what you say because God wants to use your words to bless other people. Be careful what you say because you may be the only blessing that someone gets today. Pause a minute. I used to love when we had the toll booths. I used to love that I'd get a chance to, as I'm handing the lady my dollar, to have a chance to tell them, Jesus Christ loves you. Did you know that? And when I went through Walmart, there was always a lady to talk to. Now there's just a little slot waiting to get my credit card. He don't say nothing to me. You know, I, that, was a, that was an old lady. She, she, she needed to go to the post office. And she wanted to buy stamps. And 
She was standing in line. And, and the person in front of her says, you know, do you have something to mail? She says, no. He says that, um, you know, do you need to get some special information? She said, no. He says, well, what do you need? She, he says, she said, I just need to buy stamps. And, and he said, that machine right there will give you stamps. She says, yeah, but it won't ask me about my arthritis. <laughs> do you understand what I'm telling you? We are losing the connection. We're losing the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus Christ, and we're just going along. Sometimes get in the checkout line just so you can talk to the person there because they need, may need to hear from a believer that God is still in the blessing business. You need to be careful what you say and how you say it. We live in a world of robocalls. We live in a world of solicitors who will come to your door and try to sell you some. People will offer you a free vacation that's not free because you have to sit four hours in a pressure um, set, uh, presentation uh, in order to tell them, no, I don't want it. But by the time we get out, by the time we have answered two or three robocalls, our nerves are frayed. Pity the next call. <laughs> this house with the, with the fish so big outside, you know, you, you pick up and then you slam back down. I'm talking about Christians now. We feel frustrated, and we take our frustrations out on other people by the things that we say. I want to just give you one extra verse today. I want you to just make note of it in the, in the, maybe in the margin of your Bible, and I want you to come back and read it. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, and it's 13 through 15. I'm going to read it for you. It says, and who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? In other words, you are in your best position when you're doing what's right. He says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you're still blessed. In other words, if, if in the process of doing good, something happens to you, you are still blessed. He says, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be in dread, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. Let me stand right here. The next time that a solicitor calls you, tell them, I'm going to listen to your spiel if you listen to mine. Because I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And if you don't want to hear about Jesus, you can end the call now. But the agreement you're making is you try to sell me what you are selling, and I'm going to try to sell you what I'm selling. That way it'll break up some of this anger you have over people calling you at dinner time and, you know, or calling you when your show is on. Or 
I'm, I'm talking to somebody now because, see, the, the minute you, you're right in the middle of it and then the phone rings and you, you can't see the caller ID. And they say, you know, hello, you know, I'm Joe from the, you know, fraternal order of police and, you know, we just want to know if you... And you want to tell Joe something. But, but you have to go and take your cross down before you speak to Joe. Jesus Christ was one of the most sensitive individuals on the planet. Did you know that? He understood that when you're talking to outsiders, you have to begin where they are, not where you are. One of the challenges that we have is that we think people understand all our Christianese. You know, you know the, the anointing is going to rest on you. Okay? They're thinking, anointing? What, what is anointing? You know, you're going to be delivered. I understand delivering to me. I don't understand. You have to start where people are. Are. You have to start where people are. Even your children, start where they are. Don't assume that they know something that they don't. Try to enter into their space. You want one of the best examples, I believe, in all of the Bible is in John chapter 4. And I want you to turn there, and we're going to end our message here. John chapter 4. Excellent, excellent passage. Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had made an appointment with a woman there. He knew all about her, but he still made an appointment to go see her. He made a point of going to where she was. And so, verse 7 says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. He didn't say, The right reverend, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, is here to grace your presence. And I, if would, would you respectfully grant me a sip of water? Jesus said, can, give me, can you give me some water? So right away, all of the pretense and all of the ceremony is out of the, he said, just give me a drink of water. Because he's thirsty and he's coming into her space. He goes on. See, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. And, and on and on and on. And Jesus is saying to her, What you are, who you are, where you have been, does not matter. I came to offer you Christ. I don't need to know your pedigree. I don't need to know what family you are from. I don't need to know what church you attend. I don't need to know what nationality you are. Give me a drink of water. 
So she goes into the platitude, and then Jesus. You know, Jesus, he could have said, woman, why are you giving me all that rigmarole? You know, why are you putting that? You know what he said? He said, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would have fallen over yourself giving me a drink of water. And all during the conversation, Jesus never made her situation an issue. She said, you know, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know that. See, the last, last few you had weren't yours either. It doesn't matter. And she says, who are you that can tell me all of this stuff? Give me. Okay, so I want to close. I want to close with this. You got to be careful how you act and what you say. Because outsiders are listening and they are watching. But here's the main thing. Here's the main thing. Here's the main thing. Your job is not to give living water. That's not your job. Your job is not to give them anything. So what is your job? Your job is by your lifestyle and by your words to make them thirsty. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. Advertisers are good at this. You know, you see a guy coming in and he's been mowing the grass, you know, and he's sweating like a pig, you know, and then they bring out one of these Dr. Peppers or, you know, one of these Coca-Colas, and he just holds it up and just swallows it down. Now, they have other beverages, but we could only talk about Coca-Cola right here. And as he's swallowing that down, I'm thinking, I need to go to the fridge and get me one of them. Even though I've not been cutting the grass, even though I'm not sweating like he's sweating, I just want me one of those Dr. Peppers. The brother just made me thirsty. So my question to you as I close my time with you, Who are you making thirsty? Who wants your Jesus? Who who wants to be in the care of the one who's caring for you? Do you moan and complain and carry on so much that nobody wants your Jesus? But if every time Something came up in your life. You said, don't worry. The Lord will provide. Don't worry. He has got me in the palm of his hands. Don't worry because he's kept me from the earliest existence of my life right up until this present moment. Who are you making thirsty by the way you live and the way you talk? I'm going to offer Christ to you, not my Jesus, 
I'm going to offer my Jesus to you. Because there was a time I was not in position to do that. I was in church my whole youth up until I was 17 or 18 years old. And then I decided I went to college and, and they had more knowledge. And so I wanted the more knowledge and the more knowledge said I didn't need Jesus. I, I just needed fun. So my God became fun. And I went for a significant part of my life having fun. And then I got to a place where I realized I'd climbed the ladder of success. I'd gotten all of those things that I thought I wanted, and I realized that I had no joy. You know what that meant? I had to come back down to the ground and start all over again. And one of, one of the guys who was a good friend of mine in Detroit, Michigan, he bought me a Schofield reference Bible. That, that Bible is probably 35, 40 years old right now. I still have it. It's tattered and it's torn. And inside he wrote his name, Paul Sweeney. And so Paul Sweeney started me on my journey back. You know, because sometimes you have to remember where you came from. You, you have to remember how rebellious you were in your parents' house and realize that that rebellion only got you into more trouble. But good parents will let you go on and act a fool, and then the door will be open when you come back. You remember the father? Oh, pacing. You know, pacing, waiting for his boy to come back. Just pacing back. And then he looked out and he saw him. ran out to meet his son and the son wanted to say daddy I did he said he said because you were dead and now (laughs) you are alive that's the way Jesus operates he doesn't care where you've been he doesn't care what you've done he don't care what you did who you did it with all he cares about is that you once were dead but now you are alive in Christ. We had an awesome time in the Lord, and we pray that you did as well, and want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, we hope to see you then. Be blessed.